don't know if you've ever read Acts 2. It's the story of the first church. And, you know, we don't know a lot about their programs. It was a big church. They had 3,000 from the beginning. Uh, we don't know what songs they sung. We don't know what they did with the kids. We don't know much about the programs. We don't know how long the sermons were, although Paul later on spoke till midnight one day. Don't worry, I won't do that today. Um, we don't know a lot, but we know they had two kinds of meetings. They met in the temple, a large gathering, and they also met in their homes, a small gathering. I think that's quite profound. So I think if you're a follower of Jesus, in addition to your own daily walk with Christ. Something about a large gathering like this morning, your large gatherings, we can worship together. There's some inspiration, some vision, some teaching, uh, some great benefits of a large gathering. Of course, we're all in rows today. And how many know rows aren't the best thing for relationships? Come on, work with me. You're, you're staring at the back of the person's head in front of you, and that's not their better side. You know, so rows are okay, but you know, you can't really build close relationships here. Uh, ever after church been walking down an aisle and said hi to someone, hi, and they go, good, thank you. And you kind of go, I didn't ask you how you were, I said hi. <laughs> we kind of get into, hey, how are you going? Had a good week? Yeah, all the best, see you next week. So there's some downsides of a large gathering, but you know, in a small gathering, how many know in a home you don't sit in rows? You're in a circle. <laughs> Or at a cafe, you're around the table, and in a circle, you, you see each other face to face, you can get to know each other, you can do life together with people. And so I reckon it's good, large gathering, and then involved in some kind of a small group. Uh, you know, uh, Bayside is a large church, um, well over 1,500 people across all of the congregations. 98% uh, of churches in the world are under 200, so this, this is a large church. You know, there's some disadvantages of a large church. You can't know everybody. And not everyone can know you, which is very disappointing because you're very nice. Yeah. Come on, at least give me a smile. In a large church, you just you can't know everybody. Uh, you can't all know the, the leaders personally. Uh, you know, uh, not everyone can be best friends with Pastor Robin Christie. In fact, I was jokingly adding up, you know, with 1,500 people, if Robin Christie had dinner with each person, uh, one person per night every night of the year, it would take over four years to see everybody. Which means if tonight's your dinner with Robin Christie, at the end of the dinner they go, see you in four years. <laughs> That's just the dynamics of a large church. You just can't know everybody. Of course, there's some benefits of a large church. There's lots of opportunities for friendship. I mean, look around the room today. There's lots of people you can build a relationship with. There's lots of ministry opportunities. There's more resources. This church is having a big impact, a big influence. Uh, but the good news is we don't have to choose between large or small we can be large and small. So Bayside is a big church, and it's getting larger as new people come in. But we can keep getting smaller through small groups. And so the great thing about a connect group or a ministry team is you can do life with 10 to 12 people who you know really well. And uh, it's a great, great part of living your life and growing in your faith. And the great thing about small groups is there's no limit to how many more small groups can be added. It's infinitely expandable. doesn't matter how large Bayside gets. We can all uh, be small enough to have close relationships. You know, as humans, we are created to relate. We're social species, and uh, we like to do things together with others. And when our relationships are healthy, we have a sense of belonging and care and joy and friendship. Uh, if our relationships aren't going well, and we can feel isolated, alone, and sometimes there's a sadness that comes with that. Of course, um, good relationships don't just happen. They take time, 
and they take effort. And so this morning, just for our few minutes together, I want to turn to the book of James. If you've got a Bible, you might want to come there with me. Uh, James was apparently the brother of Jesus. He was also a leader at the Church of Jerusalem. And the book of James, if you've ever read it, it's a little bit like the Old Testament book of Proverbs, full of advice on a whole range of areas, including relationships. And so if you'd like to take notes, today's message is, in, is entitled Improving Our Relationships. Improving Our Relationships. I'm going to read James 1, verses 19 to 20 from the New International Version. James says this, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Attention, everyone. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. The Message Bible says this, post this at every intersection. <laughs> Dear friends, lead with your ears, follow up with your tongue, and let anger straggle along in the rear. I like that. Lead with your ears, follow up with your tongue, and let anger straggle along in the rear, because God's righteousness doesn't grow from human anger. And so James has three tips for us, three insights for improving our relationships. He says, everyone, anyone here not an everyone? Come on, we're all everyone. Whether you're single, married, single again, whether you're young, whether you're a young adult, whether you're a, senior, whether you're a grandparent, everyone, three things to improve your relationships. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You can read that verse in just a couple of seconds, but those are themes that go through the whole Bible, and they're topics that come up in any discussion about relationships. And so let's just unpack them for a few minutes this morning. Number one, if you want to improve your relationships, number one, be a good listener. Be quick to listen. Be a good listener. You know, relationships are really built, maintained, and developed on communication. Communication is the lifeblood of any relationship. And communicating is not just talking, but also listening. Uh, our natural tendency is to be quick to speak and slow to listen. James says, hey, flip that around. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. How many know in school we learn to read and write and speak? Anyone remember a class on listening? Maybe you weren't listening. No. But, but no, we didn't have classes on listening. You know, kids learn to talk, and you learn to read and write. Read, write, and, and arithmetic, you know, the three R's. Um, but, but listening is not something that we are naturally taught to do. Of course, how many know listening is different than hearing? You can hear something and not listen. Ever heard the phrase, in, ear and, in one ear and out the other? <laughs> like you heard, but you didn't listen. To listen is to be active in concentrating giving our attention to, showing interest, and focusing on what someone is saying. You know, when you truly listen to someone, you communicate love and value. When you feel listened to, you feel loved. And when you listen to someone, it's a great way to say, I love you. Uh, through listening, we get to understand people. And of course, we earn the right to be heard. Unfortunately, just by nature, we tend to develop some poor listening habits. Let me share a few of them, and I know these because I'm really good at these bad habits. <laughs> what are some poor listening habits? Number one is just being inattentive. 
Sometimes when someone's talking, we're not paying attention. Maybe we're not interested or are preoccupied with our own thoughts. We're not concentrating. We're distracted. I think I've shared before, um, if you can think of a TV, how many know what the ticker tape at the bottom of a TV screen is where you've got the news and the sports scores and the weather? You know, my brain has a ticker tape at the bottom, the top, and the sides. So when someone's talking, I've got all this activity going. <laughs> and so it's easy for me to ask my daughter, hey, Tash, and then while she's talking, I'm thinking of all these other things. And so it's a great hindrance to being a good listener, just in attentiveness. It's a bad habit. Another bad habit is interrupting people. You know, maybe they're talking and they're struggling for a word, so we finish their sentence for them. You know, or while they're talking, we're thinking about what we're going to say. Or we change the subject. You know, it's kind of quit talking while I'm trying to interrupt. <laughs> and so when we interrupt people, how many know if someone's interrupting you all the time, it kind of makes you want to shut down. You just kind of stop talking. It's another bad habit. Inattentiveness, interrupting people. And here's another big bad habit is advice giving. Someone's talking, telling us their issues, and we jump and say, well, what I would have done, <laughs> or what I think you should do, you know, we put our Miss, Mr. and Mrs. Fix-It cap on, and we jump in with our advice. Here's a little tip. Most people don't want to be fixed. They want to be heard. So just slow down and, and, and listen and, and let them share what it felt like. Don't jump in with your advice too quickly. It's a really, really bad habit. And so these are things that we can naturally do. And so to become a better listener, we have to choose to be attentive. You know, attentiveness is showing a person's worth or value by giving close attention to their words. If you really value a person, you'll be attentive to what they're saying. So make a decision to give someone your full attention. Eye contact helps. If you look at them, it helps you to stay with what they're saying. Focus. Give them your full attention. Uh, in addition, seek to understand, not just the words. See, communication isn't just words. It's voice tone. It's body language. And so don't just listen to the words. Seek to understand what's happening. Listen and learn. And then ask questions. Good listeners are good questioners. So when someone's finished, maybe go, tell me a little bit more about that find you'll go to a deeper level of understanding. Here's a good one. Help me understand. That's a really good line. Help me understand what that was like for you. Help me understand what you were feeling. Help me understand how that affected you. Just through questions, we go to a deeper level of communication and understanding. And so if we want to improve our relationships at home, at school, at the workplace, in our connect groups, at church, James says, hey, first thing is be a good listener. I reckon all of us can grow and improve in our listening skills. Be quick to listen. Become a good listener. If you improve your listening this week, I guarantee your relationships will improve accordingly. Second step is to be quick to listen and slow to speak. I want to call this think before speaking. Another way to say it is engage brain before opening mouth. Think before speaking. You know, stuff happens to us, people do things, people say things, but between what happens to us and what we say, there's a moment of choice. No one makes you say anything. We have a moment of choice. And we've got to learn to just pause, just to slow down a little bit before we open our mouth. Um, you know, one of my favorite features on the computer is the undo button. 
Anyone know what the undo button is? You know, you type something and you, and you go undo and it disappears or you delete something and you go, ah, and then you hit undo and there it is again. Wouldn't it be great to have an undo button for our mouth where you kind of blurt something out and you go, that's not going really well, but it's like it wasn't said? Be good for social media, isn't it? You know, you blah, no, just undo. Unfortunately, when it comes to your words, there's no undo button. Once you've spoken them, they're actually out there. And so James is saying, not only be a good listener, but think. Think before you open your mouth, because our words, uh, Proverbs 18:21, death and life are in the power of your tongue. Your words have great power to kill and to bring life. Uh, interact with me a little bit today. We don't have a whiteboard, but think about all the negative things words can do. People can use their words for. Uh, give me some examples. What, what negative things can words do? Criticize, insult, lie, pull you down, hurt, blame, belittle, come on, harm. Assaulting, yeah, what else? They can, words can embarrass, offend. You can give more than two, it's all right. Anyone else? Come on, what, what negative things do people do with their words? Damage, shame, yeah, threaten. Words can threaten. What else? Cause fear. There's a lot of negative things that words can do. Let's come over the other side. What positive things can you do with your words? Praise. Build people up, encourage, love, give hope, support, praise, yeah, uplift, yeah. You can love people with your words. Anyone else? Encourage, speak the truth, bring joy. And so every day, every week, we have a choice. And if we'll just think before speaking, imagine if this week, before we open our mouth, we go, you know what, I'm not going to do any of this. I'm not going to criticize. I'm not going to cause fear. I'm not going to threaten. I'm not going to bully. I'm going to get rid of all this. And this week, when I open my mouth, I'm going to do this. I'm going to praise. I'm going to love. I'm going to encourage. I'm going to lift up. I'm going to support. What a difference the world would have. What a difference your relationship would have if we just listen a little better and we think a little bit more just before we open our mouth, just before we, we go, is this going to tear down or is this going to build up? Use our words. You know, the atmosphere of your life is often directly affected by the words that you speak. Think of the atmosphere of your home, of your connect group of your workplace, that atmosphere is directly affected by the words. And if there's a lot of these negative words, how many know it's a very dysfunctional atmosphere? If there's a lot of positive words, it's a really healthy atmosphere. And so don't be a thermometer. How many know what a thermometer is? A thermometer is a reactive instrument. If the room's hot, the thermometer gets hot. If the room's cold, the thermometer gets cold. Be a thermostat. How many know what a thermostat is? It's a proactive instrument. If the room is heated, it can cool things down. If things are a little icy, it can warm things up. You know, you can influence your environment and your relationships just by the words that you speak. And so think before speaking. Use your words for good. Speak words that bring life. Third principle, James says, hey, want to improve your relationships? Work on being a better listener. Two, 
Think before you speak. Be a little slower just before you open your mouth. Is this going to build up? Is this going to tear down? And then thirdly, control your anger. He says, be slow to become angry. Notice he doesn't say, never be angry. I think one of the myths that we have, particularly in the Christian world, is if you're a good Christian, you'll never feel angry. Let me just put it out there. Anger is a normal human emotion. You will feel angry. Can I just give you a prophecy for this week? Somewhere, somehow, someone will annoy you this week. Yea, verily, thus says the Lord. <laughs> it's going to happen. People will irritate you. People will annoy you. And when they do, you're going to feel angry. Okay, so, so just, just get over yourself, like realistic expectations. James doesn't say, don't feel angry. He just says, listen more, speak carefully, and be slow to become angry. <laughs> Just, just, just control that anger. You know, Nicole and I have been married for 33 years now, and we fell madly in love, and I entered marriage just thinking, we're so compatible, we'll probably never have an argument. <laughs> anyway, in the first year, we had, as I've shared before, quite a bit of intense fellowship. Just couldn't get her to see things my way uh, as easily as I thought I could. And so I, I, we were just laughing the other day about one of our early arguments um, we got a little heated, uh, you know, she raised her voice, I raised my voice, we're in the kitchen and we're going at each other and she storms out of the kitchen, goes to the bathroom, slams the door and I went off to my office and, uh, yeah, having a bit, bit, bit of an argument. Anyway, about an hour went by, house is quiet, and eventually I heard this, honey, honey, unbeknownst to me, when she slammed the bathroom door, the internal handle had come apart and she couldn't get out. And after an hour of trying to climb out the window, which is a very small window, she eventually realized she needed my help to get out of there. So it was, honey, could you open the door? Interesting moment, huh? What do you think I did? Yeah, I opened the door, eventually. What am I saying? Hey, anger's normal. In fact, I remember not long after that, we went to a marriage seminar. Church put on a couples seminar. And I forget what they said at the seminar. The best thing was we learned that all couples had arguments. It's like, hey, we're, we're normal. We're okay. We're going to make it. Anger is a normal emotion. But here's the point. It's one thing to feel angry. It's another thing to behave in angry, destructive ways. It's not the emotion that's the problem. It's what we do with that emotion. And if we translate that angry emotion into angry words and angry actions, that's where the damage is. It's not in the emotion. It's in what we do with those angry feelings. So anger is a common emotion. It can cause great damage. And so learning to manage our anger is essential. There's a big difference between angry feelings and angry behavior. Paul in Ephesians says, in your anger, don't sin. Nothing sinful about being angry, but it's what you do with that angry emotion. Now, let me also say there's a place for righteous anger. Does God ever get ticked? Yeah, he gets angry. You know, sometimes I think in the West, we get angry about the wrong things. We get angry about stupid little things, and there's a lot of stuff we're just indifferent about, and we should be angry about injustice and not just be tolerant and politically correct and just kind of put our head in the sand. No, there's some things we really should have a righteous anger about. So how do we control our anger? I think 
uh, one thought is just to think about the situations that you commonly get angry in. Just do a little reflection as you look back over the week or the month. Where are the moments that you got angry? What are your anger triggers? What are your hot buttons? I don't know. Is it Melbourne drivers? You know, I, I, I don't know. Is it a certain person? Is it a certain situation? Just reflect on what, what things tend to trigger your anger. And then begin to ask yourself, how can I prepare for that? Because how many know if, if Melbourne drivers are your trigger, how many know they're still out there? In fact, you're going you're gonna to interact with them this week. So think back about your anger triggers, your hot buttons, and just go, okay, as I go into this week, it's inevitable. <laughs> Those triggers are going to happen. But how could I respond differently? How could I make sure I manage that emotion in a way that's not destructive but is uplifting? And so just preparing for situations, for irritations can help us. And, of course, sometimes we lose it. Sometimes we, uh, you know, respond to our angry emotion in, in a destructive way. And so le learning to apologize. You know, anger gets us in trouble, but it's pride that keeps us there. Anger gets us in trouble, but pride keeps us there. And so when you maybe respond in a way that's not helpful, just say, hey, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Resolving that anger is really, really important that we do so. So, very, very simple. James says you want to improve your relationships, want our connect groups, want our families, want our workplaces, want our ministries to go better this year. Well, just work on being a better listener. Think a bit more before you open your mouth and control your anger. I read a billboard on the way to church yesterday, and the billboard said, if you change nothing, nothing changes. Simple but quite profound. If you change nothing, nothing's going to change. If you change nothing in your relationships, nothing's going to change. And so I wonder which one of those um, the Holy Spirit's just tapping you on the shoulder about today. This week, is it just being a little bit better listener? Is it just pausing a little longer before you open your mouth? Or is it working on this emotion of anger? Which one of those would most improve your relationships this week? Uh, second question is, which relationship in your world needs the most attention right now? Okay, you've probably got a face coming up right now. You know, it takes two people to have a good relationship, but even one person can help to improve a relationship. So which, which relationship just needs a little attention this week? And uh, I, I pray that God will help you to be a, an influencer in that space. Let's pray together. Father, today, thank you for the Bible. It's amazingly relevant. 2,000 years ago, James wrote this. How relevant to our lives today. And so I pray today, Lord, just for that one area you tapped us on the shoulder about, help us to be better listeners this week, just to slow down a little bit, just to give people our attention, just to show interest and value and seek understanding. Help us to just to think a bit more before we speak. We can be so quick to, blah. Just, just help us to control our tongue. Pause a little longer. Think, is this going to build up? Is this going to tear down? What a difference if we just choose more positive words and less negative this week. And then help us to be slow to become angry. Lord, we all have our anger triggers, our hot buttons. We all have them. I pray that we would live and learn and just ensure that this emotion of anger doesn't 
destroy our relationships. And just help us in those areas this week. God, we pray. And for that one relationship right now that we're all thinking about that's just a little tense, Lord, help us just to sow love, just to sow patience, just to sow forgiveness and kindness and improve that relationship, we pray. In your wonderful name, everyone said amen. Amen.